You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. Hey there, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. My name is Logan Bradley. You can find me at Bear Down Bradley on Twitter. I am joined by my co-host today, only one of us. This is the young man's version of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. That is Brendan Chagru. You can find him at Brendan Chagru. Without us today, our usual host, Ryan Dangle, at Ryan Dangle. Patrick Sheldon, you can find him at P underscore Shells. And last, but certainly not least, the belated birthday boy. Happy birthday to Jack Wright, who you can find at Bear Down Jack. Brendan, how how do you feel about this whole uh, getting all the geezers off the pod for a day? This is kind of cool. This this is the kids show. And uh, I guess it's too late for them. You know, all those old guys, us young guys, we can stay up late past 7.20 p.m. Central Time. No, nice. I know uh, Jack would be here, but he's at a concert celebrating his birthday. So that's great for him. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's one of those things. I don't think you and I have actually like done anything one-on-one before. So this is pretty cool. I'm excited. Have not adding some, uh, a, a young podcast, the repertoire, being a host, doing all, doing all, doing everything this week. All right. Um, heading into this week, just, I asked vibes last week at the beginning of the podcast. Have you been able to shake Sunday a little bit more and kind of just focus in on this Texans game. Yeah, I have. And it's so funny because there's still a ton of arguments, people, you know, for Justin Fields against Justin Fields, wondering if the coaching staff has a vendetta against him. And we have to remind ourselves that like this whole, it's a long season and we get so wrapped up into these games when they're happening. And immediately after that, we sort of forget about the big picture. And it's just so funny to kind of see like everybody say, and we, we can be included in that. I think we all have strong opinions here, but Mm -hmm. you know, to have everybody say, Oh, the sky is falling. They, the bears hate Justin Fields. Everything is doomed to kind of like having a more level-headed approach and everybody saying, okay, like didn't work out. Game plan was interesting to say the least uh, with only 11 pass attempts, although there would have been more if the offensive line didn't have so many screw ups. So yeah, I feel better. I I just kind of like want to wipe the slate clean and I'm just looking forward to football because I, gosh, Logan, I I did this thing last night. I was up late. I I was doing, uh, I I think I was doing laundry or something and the Sox game was on the White Sox oh, in baseball. And, uh, you know, I heard I had heard some rumblings that they had tied the game in extra innings like this was the mm-hmm. season. And I'm like, you know what? I- I'm going to tune in and see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? They, they gave up five runs in the 11th, mm-hmm. I think it was. And now yeah, their season is pretty much toast. And oh, it's done. You know, Logan, it's done. I-, I just have to ask real quick before we get into football, because we baseball's about done for both of yeah. us. But. Yeah. You know, how does it feel knowing that your team 
the team that had the target on its back, that was one of the yeah. proverbial favorites to be a World Series team. I, I saw a team do that uh, with the Cubs. They actually mm-hmm. got to the promised land. How does it feel to fall so short of expectations, my friend? I've I've been in this mindset now for about two to three months because you could tell that this was a team that just w- with the management of Tony La Russa, it took on the identity of an old man coaching them. So I knew... I think I had a pretty good idea months ago that this was the end of, of how it would work out. I mean, I always thought the playoffs were possibility just because the AL Central is so bad, but I, I don't have enough time and don't want to spend that much time talking about this on a Bears podcast, but to describe the disappointment in the way that that franchise is run. And I know that Cubs fans out there have equal gripes about the way that their franchise is run, but there are just repeatedly gaping holes every off season for this white Sox team that the front office just refuses to address time and time again, they put infielders in the outfield and they put outfielders in the infield and it's, it's terrible, but neither of us have playoff teams, Brendan. No, so, no I know, but I wanted to give you, you know, a chance to sort of, you know, give one it, last eulogy, yeah. I guess. No, it hurts a lot. It's just like, this is, rebuilding stinks in baseball. You guys are going through it. We went through it and it's like, it's supposed to pay off and nothing has paid off. So it, it hurts. Um, but we're going to talk some bears today. We're going to get into the preview of the bears Texans game this weekend. But first, Brendan, you, you know where you could help me get a home. I do. And you know, Logan, I really, I know you love your job. I know you love your job. You have a great job mm-hmm. out in California, but when you want to come back home to Illinois, just know that our guy, Jeff Cadwallader, has you covered. If you're thinking about buying or selling a house in the Chicagoland area, there's one person and one person only that you need to contact, and that is our guy, Jeff Cadwallader with Ad Properties. Jeff is making it happen for his buyers using proven tactics to help his buyers get the contracts, and it's not about paying the highest price either. Contact Jeff today to learn more. Visit GenevaJeff.com or call or text him at 630-254-4734. If you're looking for a haircut, guys, you need to head to Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. They've been serving the community for 68 years with five barbers. They're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, and have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can head to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or call 630-668-0137 to book today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, Brendan. So we have a game against the, I'll, I'll call them the lowly Houston Texans this weekend. They are coming to town. Old friend, Lovey Smith, in his first year as head coach of the Texans, is coming to town. So far, they are 0-1-1, the elusive 0-1-1 in week one. They tied the Colts at home 20-20, to which surely was a surprise, but now maybe we've learned that the Colts aren't exactly the team we thought they were. In week two, they lost to the Broncos on the road 16-9, and maybe the Broncos aren't as good as we thought they were, but at the same time, I think for the expectations for the Texans as a team, I would say maybe that was a moral victory for them. As far as the serious history goes between the Bears and the Texans, the Bears have actually played the Texans five times, and I was surprised to learn that the Texans are leading that series four games to one. The Bears' lone win 
in the series came in the most recent matchup where they notably blew out Houston 36 to seven on December 13, 2020 in that game, Mitch Trubisky threw for 267 yards, three touchdowns, Allen Robinson and David Montgomery both went for a hundred plus and a touchdown. That was, that was a, that was a peak time in bears football. Do you remember that game? I remember it very well. I, I think mm-hmm. my lasting memory from that, actually, believe it or not, is I was watching it and I think my cable was just slightly delayed because I checked Twitter and I see Brad Biggs just say David Montgomery, 80 yard touchdown run. And I'm just yeah. like, well, all right, there's that like on the first play. But that was that, that was one of those feel good wins. And that was pretty much the. I guess if you want to look back at it, that was essentially what started to save Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace's Mm -hmm. job after the 2020 season, because the bears were on a horrible skid. They get that huge win. And that was kind of the start of there. I think it was like a three game winning streak to get them back over 500. So this is pretty much what started the, uh, the Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy experience for 2021. But, um, another fun fact I'll just say about bears Texans. I'm pretty sure in 2004, when the Texans came to Soldier Field, that was the coldest game ever in Chicago. Wow. So how about that? Hey, I'm sure the Texans, well, they must have liked it because they won, but um, <laughs> they usually that wouldn't wouldn't work well for a Texan. But both these teams, obviously, two years later, look a whole lot different uh, when it comes to the Texans. So they are starting quarterback Davis Mills, who's in his second year out of Stanford. He's you know, the jury's still out. I don't think a lot of people really thought that he was going to be much of anything. So the fact that he's a starter in this league right now and has played competent football for the chances that he's gotten, I think that says something about him. Along with him on offense, you have a rookie running back in Damian Pierce, who is out of Florida. It was interesting before the season, Lovey Smith declared him to be their starting running back. Then in week one, went ahead and gave Rex Burkhead a lot of run, which as a Damian Pierce fantasy owner who started him in week one, didn't make me very happy. That script flipped in week two, Damian Pierce got a lot of the run. So I would expect that we probably see a good dose of the rookie this weekend. In terms of receivers, the Texans have veteran Brandon Cooks, who is always good. And then a second year wideout, Nico Collins. On defense, there's really not a whole lot of notable names for the Texans. Really, the the only one that kind of stands out to me is Derek Stingley Jr., who is the third overall pick in the this past year's draft. So not exactly a talent-laden roster similar to the Bears, but I want to jump into the Bears side of things, Brendan. And the first thing that I'm going to ask you is the perfect game script game plan on Sunday would have Justin Fields throwing the ball how many times? I'm actually going to take the combined passing attempts from the first two weeks. And I believe, not great at math, but I think that's 28. I think 28 pass attempts. It's hard to say without kind of seeing the game develop, but 28 pass attempts seems pretty safe. And if I'm Luke Getze, what I'm doing is basically, believe it or not, exactly what I opened up with against the Packers. Just continue to run the ball early, set the tone, sprinkle in maybe a few more passes here and there to get fields open. Uh, I'd say some play action, RPOs, you know, things of that nature. But then once you hopefully score on your first possession, keep that momentum going and don't just completely abandon it like you did for the next few possessions. Keep that same kind of rhythm going. 
where now you start to actually utilize the play action more than once or twice and get fields a lot more comfortable. And I mean, let's face it. The Texans defense is not very good. They're giving up 433 yards per game. That's 31st in the league. Now I'll put a caveat. It's only two weeks. So just take that for what it did. Take that for what it is, but they are allowing 270 passing yards per game and 163 rushing yards. Now I saw a tweet that came out that reporters were talking to Laramie Tunsil and they were saying on the bears defense, which will, I know we'll talk about the bears were giving up 189 yards, which I think is last in the league right now. And he's like, Oh yeah, we're licking our chops. We're going to run all over them, man. You guys are not much better. Like literally. <laughs> so, and I'm pretty sure the bears rushing attack. I'm, I'm a little more confident in that than what the Texans have. So I, I think this defense is right for the taking it's going to make me sad because obviously we all feel strongly about Lovey Smith, but there's not a lot of talent, like you said, on that defense. So there's a lot of good opportunities for the Bears to set the tone and continue with that rhythm while also getting fields a lot more comfortable. And you know what? More passing attempts are going to happen when you can actually sustain drives and not go three and out basically every drive from the you know second possession on. Absolutely. I mean, the the Texans, this matchup couldn't be coming at a better time because as you kind of talked about it, you know, you don't know the flow of the game at this point. You don't know much about how it's the Bears could win this game by 10. They could lose this game by 10. Right now, I think Vegas has this as the Bears as two and a half point favorites. So generally speaking, it should be a relatively close game, which bodes well for there being hopefully a good mix of run with David Montgomery and then some passing. So I understand it's, it's pretty impossible to just predict the number of times that Justin Fields is going to throw the ball, but you would think this week there could be, I don't know, 25 passes would love to see that just maybe more than 11. But I guess my biggest concern is I just Hope Luke Getze doesn't get spooked after last week and we're sitting here a week from now going, why didn't we run the damn ball? Because we have seen that in the past at times. Moving towards the offensive line, Lucas Patrick was seen snapping balls today at practice. Thank you, God. Can you try to explain to me, Brendan, just how important and big of an impact it would be to have him at center instead of Sam Mustafer? I can try. I'm not the biggest O-line guy, but I think it's pretty obvious to say replacing Sam Mustafer with Lucas Patrick would just be a huge shot in the arm for two reasons. One, we can finally stop with the dumb rotating of guards. We talked about it last week, but for two weeks in a row now, you see Tevin Jenkins for two series in a row, and then they replace him with Lucas Patrick. And I think that just completely throws off the flow of the offensive line and Jenkins to his credit is playing pretty well. I know it's not perfect. You can check the PFF scores, especially in pass blocking. It may not be the most favorable, but you continue to get him more and more confidence and reps and get him more comfortable there. Stop taking him off on the sideline. That's just not, that hurts the players next to him too, because you're trying to get a rhythm with another person there. But in the ter- in terms of Sam Mustafer, we know his limitations as a blocker, but things have not been going well at center in terms of like either bad snaps or snaps at the wrong time. I, I mean, I think there were at least three plays that were kind of blown up from the start because Sam Mustafer and Justin Fields could not get on the same page. And 
this is what Lucas Patrick was brought here to do. He's been a decent, I'm not going to say great, but he's been a pretty decent center. And I think that's all you need right now. Somebody with that veteran presence, somebody who's worked with Luke Getze specifically for the last few years. I think it's going to be a huge shot in the arm. My only worry is, are there going to be a few growing pains at the beginning? Are things, is the timing not going to be worked out yet? We don't really know. Hopefully Lucas Patrick can continue to snap balls and get that practice and get those reps in with fields over the next few days. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that you say there is just the veteran presence. Obviously I don't think anyone's going to debate whether Lucas Patrick is going to be a gameplay upgrade over what Sam Mustafer has done, but just to have a veteran in the middle of that very young offensive line, Cody Whitehair veteran. Sure. But the rest of that offensive line is, is, is very green, very young. And we know the days of having Olin Krutz anchor that line, you know, time after time and just having a veteran presence there would be, would be a huge breath of fresh air. Moving over to the defense. I don't have to explain it. There are a lot of disappointments last week, Brendan, what player are you looking at on the bears? Uh, Who do you think needs to have a big bounce back for the bears to get a win? Can I give you three players? Is sure. that allowed? Sure. Oh, right. Allow breaking it. rules. Thanks, mm-hmm. man. I'm actually going to go with the three guys that had the lowest PFF scores from week two against the Packers. And in no order, because I didn't write the scores down, so I apologize. Angelo Blackson, Roquan Smith, and Kyler Gordon. Let's start with Angelo Blackson. He started the game out really well with that tackle for loss. He only had two tackles for the rest of the game. And he was right in the middle when the Packers' offensive line was pushing him and the rest of the defensive line around for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to run holes through. That, in turn, hurt what Roquan Smith did. Roquan has not – we've talked about it on the previous podcast, so I won't rehash everything, but Roquan has not had a good start to the season. He feels late getting to his assignments. He feels late getting to the uh, tacklers. We all thought he was going to be kind of this plug-and-play Will linebacker, and that hasn't happened yet. Of course – Missing training camp doesn't help with that. Now he's dealing with an injury, but hopefully if Blackson and the rest of the defensive line plays better, that means good things for Roquan Smith when it comes to tackling and he can hopefully get back on track. And then when it comes to Kyler Gordon, I don't think Davis Mills and the Houston passing attack is scaring anybody unless OJ Howard suddenly becomes the Alabama tight end from when he was. I thought, just- he, I thought he was going to be so so good, like a generational talent. Remember, remember when Bears fans were begging the team to draft him at like third overall? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And it, I probably wouldn't have hated it at the time. I wouldn't have either. I, it was him, Mike Williams, uh, Jamal Adams, oh, yeah. any, anybody but Trubisky pretty much. But yeah, anyway, yeah. if if OJ Howard and Brandon Cooks, you know, somehow pull off a miracle and turn into these insane playmakers and not, that's not to say Brandon Cooks isn't good. I think he's pretty solid, but Mm -hmm. it would be great to see Kyler Gordon bounce back in the pass game and in the run game, because he kind of struggled a little bit when he was brought in to defend the run against the Packers. So I'm sure when the Texans actually do pass, they are not going to go after Jalen Johnson because nobody's gone after Jalen Johnson yet. He's still without a target. That means Gordon is going to be probably the primary beneficiary of those targets. And I'd love to see him bounce back and not only make a play for the defense and help the team win, but make plays for himself to get his confidence back up. Absolutely. And 
I like we mentioned Jalen Johnson, but like just as a fan base, when things are going, it was rough this weekend. When things are going rough, I feel like you tend to just forget about those players who are doing their job and Jalen Johnson, just not getting targeted or barely getting targeted is, is, is such an awesome site just because you have that lockdown corner in a pass happy league. So that's great to see for me defensively. You, I mean, you mentioned the big three there and this isn't a guy who was a disappointment last week. He was very good. Travis Gibson. I just, I just want to see him on the field more. Maybe you can make a young quarterback and Davis mills feel extra uncomfortable, but given that Travis Gibson is obviously hopefully a building block on that defensive line and just that defense as a whole. Hopefully he gets a bigger share of those reps at defensive end. All right. It's time for predictions before Brendan and I go, I am going to read off what the other three have for us this week. And you know what bears fans, I think you are going to enjoy it. So our gracious host, Ryan Dangle, he has the bears winning a slug fest 17, 13. Patrick Sheldon, a little bit of the opposite, but still the same. He has the Bears winning a little bit more of a shootout at 30 to 21. And then Jack, a little bit in between those two, he has the Bears winning 21 to 13. So, Brendan, are you are you sticking with, uh, with the rest of our, our group here in terms of a Bears win? I am. And that's such an easy pick. And I think I'm, I might have the largest point differential out of the group. We'll see. But I have the Bears winning 27 to 13. This is the definition of a get right game for this team. They're reeling after what happened to the Packers. In come a Texans team that, yeah, they played the Broncos close. But like you said, I think that's more about Denver than it is actually Houston. And what I've really noticed the last two weeks, Houston does a terrible job in the fourth quarter. They just collapse. Like they were doing okay against the Broncos. And obviously they had the lead against the Colts. Colts came back in the fourth Broncos pulled ahead in the fourth. I think this is going to be a big fourth quarter for the bears. And, you know, we love lovey Smith. He, we will never forget everything he's done, but he's Owen two against his former team. And it's going to be Owen three now. Okay. Okay. You know what? I, in my brain, I see this as a low scoring game and more than likely, I think that it is. I think the total is at 40 and a half or something like that right now. But for some reason, I just feel like there's going to be some points scored in this game in, in some weird fashion. So I'm going to say Bears 31, Texans 21, which I realize is one point away from Patrick Sheldon. So great minds think alike. There you go. Five and O oh from the boys this week in I terms like of it. the Bears beating the Texans. Good vibes only. Last thing I'll say about it, because I think we're all feeling pretty good about this game. This is going to be a really interesting I guess test because we'll finally get to see what Matt Eberflus, Luke Getze, Alan Williams, all of these coaches and the players, how they respond to adversity. Remember, even though they don't count, they were perfect in the preseason and then they win against one against the 49ers. We heard a very animated Justin Fields in his press conference on Wednesday. We heard Matt Eberflus talk about tackling and getting back to the fundamentals. I think this is a team that kind of, had a reality check and I'm really interested to see how these coaches uh, have these players respond to what happens. So I think we're all kind of feeling the same way. This could be an offensive explosion and this really could show what exactly these coaches are about after dealing with adversity. So it's really exciting for me. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I had the same thought after the first half against the Packers last weekend. And I, I was, I was going to tweet it and then I think I started doing something else, but coming out of that half, I, I think I was just thinking, I think this half is going to show a lot about uh, Eberflus and, and his principles and everything, because when you're down and that was the first time that the bears team really was just kind of down and out that that can show, can you get your guys up to play and, and come out and have a, a really good half of football. And I think, this is kind of a more wholesale thing is like after this bad week, how, how are you getting this team prepared? So it'll be very, very interesting. All right. We're going to move on to our fantasy football buy and sells before getting you guys some betting picks. I'll start us off this week. I, I have a buy and it's, I'm, I'm trying not to turn this segment into willing my own fantasy teams into working so that's what I'm going to try hard not to do. But this, this, this buy is somebody that I just, I truly continue to believe in. And that is Kyle Pitts. He, he's somebody I just will continue to believe in until I see a full season where he continues to get two catches for 19 yards, which was his line in both week one and week two. He is a unicorn. He is a wide receiver playing the tight end position. Marcus Mariota has continually shown that he not, sorry, not continually, but he has shown through two games that he can do enough to support a fantasy receiver in Drake London. And I'm pretty confident that he can do that too, with a unicorn, Arthur Smith, the head coach of the Falcons earlier this week kind of went viral for saying that he doesn't, you know, this isn't fantasy football. It's like, well, also in real football, if you give the ball to the guy that you drafted with, I think a top four pick in the NFL draft, who is gigantic and is super athletic you might win some football games. So I still believe in Kyle Pitts. I think he has a good matchup this weekend against Seattle. So if you can throw out some low offers, I, I still really believe in him. Uh, you're not asking him to block. <laughs> I mean, you know, no. I understand it's not fantasy football, but at the same time, you drafted Kyle Pitts to get receiving yards and score touchdowns. So you'd think. You would think, yeah. Mm-hmm. My buy is Brian Robinson. Do you remember Brian Robinson? I he, sure do. Unfortunately, he suffered just like, I don't want to say tragedy because thankfully he's still alive. He's okay. But he was shot in the leg uh, earlier this preseason, I guess, earlier this summer. And there, there was a lot of concern on when he would play or you know exactly if he would play. But after kind of realizing things were going to be okay for him, people were thinking, okay, he'll come back later in the season. He's already practicing and uh, reports are coming out that he might actually be ready to go by week five. We are entering week three. It's only two weeks away. If you can afford a roster spot because he's available, according to Yahoo, in 50% of leagues, get him immediately because Washington's running backs are not doing anything. Antonio Gibson had two yards per carry, I believe, last week. Uh, Carson Wentz, I think, was almost the the leading rusher, along with one Curtis Samuel run when he was kind of used as a gadget. So they desperately need running back help. And Brian Robinson's coming back soon. And he's one of those guys that, again, if you can afford it, he's probably going to do something good for you, especially in the second half of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the commanders have shown and kind of told through their words that they don't completely believe in Antonio Gibson. So hopefully Brian Robinson is healthy soon. I, I of course know everybody hopes that, and uh, hopefully we see him doing good things on the football field. 
My sell this week is a familiar name, and that is Allen Robinson. This is a man who I have drafted because I thought he was going to be a big part of this Rams offense. And while I guess there's still a possibility that he could be a bigger part of this Rams offense, we have not seen it through two weeks. He had a 5% target share in week one, and he had a 14% target share in week two, which even if if you're consistently even getting a 20% target share, it's not quite enough to support like wide receiver two status, which I think many kind of thought they were getting when they got Robinson. But the sell window here for me is just because he caught a touchdown this week. And I think he almost caught another one. So you can go to a league mate and he plays for the Rams. He's got Matt Stafford thrown to him. He has Cooper cup taking attention away, but I just don't see Allen Robinson being such a producer that he really, really helps your fantasy team. So if you can get anything for him now, I think that might be a smart move. It's a good one. And I actually, I was watching the early part of that Falcons Rams game and I saw Robinson get that nice touchdown. I was like, Oh, he's actually doing stuff. And yeah. I pretty much didn't follow up anything after that. So, you know, it's interesting to hear those stats. Uh, my cell, this might be a harder sell, but running backs are kind of hard to come by. So you might have a chance depending on how many injuries, uh, one of your opponents has in your league. But if you can, I would sell Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny had a pretty decent week one. He had the line share of the carries, and he was running pretty well for the Seahawks. That went away in week two. As Kenneth Walker the third makes his debut, the rookie out of Michigan State, Seahawks are always bad with running back committees, especially with fantasy and Rashad Penny's kind of been the darling going back to the second half of last year. I think that's, it's going to be another committee, but I think Walker's eventually going to overtake him. So if you can get something for Penny, even if it's not much, like I said, running backs are scarce. So that might be a pretty good sell. It's so weird. I feel like this, the switch started to happen last year where Previously, fantasy football, it's all about getting these running backs. It gets so many running backs. Now it's just so wide receiver dominant. Even if you redrafted this year, I think you'd see wide receivers going a whole lot higher than they were last year. Yeah, I really struggle with that. I always go, almost always go like running back one and then wide receiver two. And I feel like it's it's biting me because I have Dalvin Cook in both my leagues. Exactly. And and I luckily in my big league, I went Cooper Cup over, I was, I mean, Henry and Cook. And it's so far, I'm happy with that. Who would have thought there's really no, no top running backs have done a ton so far. Maybe that'll change. We will see. All right. On to our final segment, which is my personal favorite. And I'm sure Brendan's personal favorite this week, just because of what I'll explain here. The results of our betting picks last week, Brendan Chagru. The man, the myth, the legend went 2-0 and last week. He won with Jags plus 3.5 and, and the Giants-Panthers under 43.5. Two very nice picks. Now, I unfortunately have to read off Jack's 0-2 day. He lost with the Steelers plus 2 against the Patriots and the Browns minus 6.5. And, and I think we all know what happened there. Me, I'm a little bit in between. I'm going one and one for the second straight week, which I can live with. I maybe you could argue I should have probably gone on to because my pick that one was the Falcons plus 10 and a half. And at one point in that game, that looked like a terrible pick, but never, never worry about it. They came back. They lost by four to easily cover 10 and a half points. My second pick, not good. Commander's Lions under 49. I believe that soared over. So very, very bad pick. So this week, 
Brendan, why don't you give me a pick and then uh, and then I'll give you one and then uh, then we'll keep going from there. Ooh, we're doing tradesies. Yeah, let's do All it. All right. My first pick for you, Logan, is Bills Dolphins over 53. And that's the number it is now. I actually got it at 53 and a half. So it makes me a little nervous. But how can you not bet the over with the Bills right now? The Bills are a bleeping wagon. They scored 41 against the Titans in basically like three quarters. And when you look at the Dolphins, their offense is starting to come alive. Yeah, they had to come back against the Ravens. And I mean, that was just insane what Tua and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle did. But I just I look at the number 53 for the Pills and Dolphins. And I understand the Bills defense is good, but I feel like that has just a shootout written all over it. I do like that pick a lot. My first pick is going to be Eagles minus six and a half at the Washington Commanders. My God, the Eagles look good yesterday. That offense, Jalen Hurts, is going to be a lot better than a lot of people would have gave him credit for. But the Commanders have played the Jaguars, who they beat by six, and the Lions, who they lost to by nine points. And, you know, it's a home game for them. But the Eagles, again, they looked great last week in a home game versus a Vikings team that I think a lot of people were very high on. And I think that they're still a pretty good football team. So I'm going to trust the Eagles, A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts to cover six and a half and a, and a key there is if you can try to get that number below seven at six and a half, six, something like that, that way you you're not looking for that push. If, if the Eagles were to beat the commanders by a touchdown, Brendan, your second pick real quickly, you're not worried about a Carson Wentz revenge game, huh? Absolutely not. If anything, I like, I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I do not think that he has what it takes to step up in a revenge game. That's fair. It, it would it would be hilarious, but yeah, that's fair. Uh, my second pick, this one kind of surprised me a little bit, and I understand that I guess both teams are in a little bit of a flux situation here, but I have San Francisco minus a point and a half against the Denver Broncos. Yes, they're on the road, and yes, they're starting a new quarterback, but the 49ers are better with Jimmy Garoppolo. At least they're more comfortable. They know how to run their offense. We talked about it with the Texans. We don't know what the hell's going on in Denver. That is just a really weird situation. It honestly kind of seems like there's like this weird bromance between Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. And then the rest of the team is kind of like, what the hell are you guys doing? I don't know if you've seen interviews with them or them interacting on the sideline, but it's just really, really weird. They're and both I, they're both just kind of weird dudes. Maybe Hackett's not weird. Maybe that's more reserved for Russ, but just Hackett has not proved himself at all. Yeah, exactly. And so the Broncos have failed to cover in both of their both of their games. They were like 10-point favorites against the Texans. But I, I really like San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. They blew the doors off Seattle last week. And it's probably going to be pretty close, but a point and a half. How can you not do it? That's funny because my second pick is coming from that same game. And it is 49ers Broncos under 45 points for many of the same reasons that you said. I've watched that Broncos offense. It is putrid so far. Russell Wilson just does not look good. Nathaniel Hackett, I, it, small sample size, two games, but doesn't seem like the greatest head coach. He has made some real rough decisions. And then when it comes to the 49ers, you got Jimmy G under center now. I think that's more of a the the offense ironically is is definitely probably better with him under center, but I just don't see this game getting to 45 points. I 
think that I'm, I, I'm, I'm feeling an under there. So I feel good about that. And uh, it's time, it's time to go two and zero this week. Look, Brennan, I know that you went two and zero last week and you can have the shine, but it's my turn now. Okay. We can both go two and zero. I mean, we yeah, don't have any like, conflicting you know, I want to beat you though. That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's fair. I want to, I want to beat you so far. I think I'm, I am two and two for my picks and you were two. No, since you didn't, did not make it to the first one, but we'll, we'll keep track of that. We'll, we'll see where we're at, but that was, that was a good start for you there. Thank you. All right. We are going to get out of here as always, keep an eye and ear out there for the post game pod this weekend. But for Jack Wright, Brendan Chagru, Ryan Dangle, and Patrick Sheldon, I am Logan Bradley, and as always, bear down, Chicago. Chicago.